The Bull Radio Football Show. Hi Celtic fans, if you're wondering how you pronounce my name, it's Albion Aeti. That is how you pronounce his name. And is he the answer to Celtic's prayers? Four and a half million pounds Celtic have paid to West Ham. We thought it was going to be a loan deal. It's a permanent move. He is a Celtic player as of today. Rangers last night moved joint top of the Scottish Premiership with that 3-0 win against St Johnston. Uh, but Stephen Gerrard thought they got sloppy in the game. Let's have your thoughts. What do you think about Celtic's new arrival, Albion Ayeti? Let's get the surname right. And Rangers are top of the Premiership. Are they going to stay there all season long? Can they stop Celtic on the march to 10 in a row? 0808 17 17 700. You can text us, go, and your message to 87474 on the socials at go football show. Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, and Stephen O'Donnell, Scotland fullback Stephen O'Donnell is with us in the studio. Are you going to... I don't want to start calling you former Scotland fullback Stephen O'Donnell. Are you just because I've been unemployed for so long? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, well, you're running out of time really, aren't you, now, to get playing and get in that squad because those two games against Israel and the Czech Republic are coming around pretty sharpish now. No, definitely. There's no... um guarantees anyway that I'd be in a squad if I was playing with the with the players that are, are, are had been in great form when the English league was on like Palmer and um, and Kieran Tierney I'm sure can play right back as well but um, certainly now I need to try and get a club soon and I'm hopefully going to do that but the good thing is you've had a conversation with Stevie Clark so uh, at least he's keeping you in the loop not that look at I've, I've a great relationship with um, Steve Clark and I owe so much to him um, but uh, as I said these uh these things are so hard to to judge in in this particular time during coronavirus. It, it just mixes everything up. What do what would you imagine in your absence? Would it be Kieran Tierney at right back for that Israel well, well, game? Well, obviously Palmer's been playing well, um, so I don't see he could play. I wouldn't I wouldn't think there's any question he ca- can play. He's, he's good enough. Um, but obviously Kieran's been been playing exceptionally well for Arsenal and winning the FA Cup. So. I think he's capable of playing right back as well. So if it's whatever the manager wants to do, I'm I'm delighted that I'm not. Um, he might ask, those is he not asking your advice? Look, I, <laughs> I, I told him there's a, a right back that's exceptional that's unemployed. <laughs> who's about who's about but, to uh, find a new club any day now? But, um, but no, so he uh, look, uh, he's got he's got lots of decisions to make, and I'm sure the right back slot will be one of them. I guess it depends what he what he wants to do, whether it's back four or back five, because he could play Kieran Tierney left of a three and play Andy Robertson at left wing back. But I'm not sure how comfortable Andy Robertson is because obviously it's not a position he plays with Liverpool, even though he gets forward, he spends most of his yeah. game on the attack. But but he does does it from the left back position. Not look, it's everyone needs to every different club you're at club level international, you need to adapt your game to suit um players that are around you. Sometimes you you like Myself, for example, when I played with Rory McKenzie in front of me, I would he would come inside a lot more, so I'd be able to bomb on beyond him. Um, whereas when Chris Buck played, I would more just back him up. He's again the form he's showed again this season. He he goes and does his own thing. So you need to adapt, and I think that's what the national team has got. Lots of good players. Just pity we've got two of the best um, left backs probably in the world. If if Kieran certainly keeps up his form in in England and. And that's just uh, something that needs to be handled. And we've got a really good right back as well, who's about to get himself a new club. I uh, hopefully, I think maybe the next twenty four hours, I might have might have something to, to tell. But um, 
as I say, just looking forward to hopefully getting back playing soon. And no amount of torturing you in the course of the next two hours is going to get an answer no, out of you, is you it? You can keep driving, there, there'll be nothing. There'll be a straight face, poker face yeah. all night. I just Will you phone us tomorrow? Let us know. <laughs> I'll give you a call tomorrow. If, 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 if I'm employed and my employer lets me, I'll be more than happy to come on and speak. I'm just going to I'm just going to keep reframing the question about 25 different ways in the course of the program but I know I'm going to get the same answer every time and it's going to be a total blocking exercise. Um on that subject of Scotland what do you think uh, how would you accommodate Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson we've been talking about it for a long long time that question. Um but if you've got a thought on it how we might line up uh, against Israel in that Nations League game which is the 4th of September, September I think yep. it is Ali 4th and then the 9th if I'm not mistaken yeah or yeah the 7th maybe I think it's the Friday the 4th Fri- and the 7th you're the right Friday and the Monday for Israel and Czech Republic those Scotland games I mean they've Stephen they've almost crept up unnoticed haven't they because because we've been talking about so many things including obviously coronavirus and, and the chaos yeah, in, no, the, in the fixture list I think certainly football's taking a wee bit of a back seat um, I'm sure the Scotland game's creeping up would have been they wouldn't have been creeping up they'd have been the, the highlight of everything but just now it's been a wee bit a bit slow um, but hopefully as I said the closer it gets to the games it will start to build up and and um, and as I said we, we're, we're looking forward to them So your thoughts on Scotland uh, how we could line up in those games your thoughts on Rangers getting themselves to joint top of the league Hibs fans will be very quickly pointing out they are up there too with uh, nine points out of nine Ross County are still unbeaten as well we'll hear in the course of the show from Charlie Miller the former Rangers player uh, John Rankin will be with us coaching at Hearts these days having uh, hung up his boots Uh, what a career he has had and we will be hearing from Michael Gardine as well Mr Ross Canty and what a season the Dingwall team are having already seven points out of nine after their draw last night with Kilmarnock but let's uh, talk and get your reaction as well on that number which is imprinted in your head 0808 17 17 700 I wish it was imprinted in mine some nights when I get it wrong Um, (laughs) go and your message uh, on text to 87474 and on the socials at Go Football Show. And make your pronunciation an accurate one of Celtic's new signing, Albion Ayeti, Swiss international striker, £4.5 million from West Ham. He's 23, um, four year contract, uh, but he did make 12 appearances for West Ham without scoring in the space of a year. That, I think, had lots of people, including Frank McAvenny the other night, being totally underwhelmed at the prospect of him arriving. Uh, underwhelmed is not a, a word you would link into Neil Lennon. Now, listen to his comments uh, today. He says he's a tremendous player, an international, real quality. I've admired him for a long time. He's a really intelligent footballer, well-balanced and a really good finisher. And while you can't read everything into a number, Stephen, that a player is allocated, he has been given number 10, and you would imagine with a £4.5 million outlay, that's not to sit on the bench. Yeah, it's certainly a, a lot of money for, for any um, club to pay, but maybe not so much the ones in the, the English Premiership. So he's coming up here to, to I imagine, play, and, and I just hope that it's not at the expense of uh, Odson Edward, um, who's been exceptional for Celtic since he's come into the site. But we spoke about that um, last night, Ali, um, in the prospect of, of selling on St Edward. Yes, there would be a price, wouldn't there? There would have to be a price, at which point Celtic would say, that's silly money, we have to take it. But otherwise, he is so instrumental in what they're trying to do this season to to uh, get those 
10 titles on the trot. Absolutely, Rob. I mean, I tried to catch it. I was out on a boat in Loch Lomond yesterday on a wee pedalo. Sorry, so. that's not a good enough excuse. <laughs> a wee pedalo, I'm sure. I was on a wee pedalo. Um, it was brilliant fun. But no, you're quite right that I'm sure, as they said in the past, there there will be a price that once they've hit that or gone above it that they won't be able to say no, I imagine. But as you say, Stephen, hopefully not. It's such a massive season uh, for Celtic and Rangers and, of course, everyone else in the Premiership. Let's hope we can continue. Let's hope there are no more false moves uh, that will turn that yellow card into a red as far as uh, Nicholas Sturgeon is concerned. Uh, Yeti uh, joined West Ham for £8 million from Basel and while he didn't score in a year for West Ham, I know you were underwhelmed when I told you this earlier, but he did score... 30 goals in two seasons for Basel which strikes me as not bad going Look it's not a bad return at Basel and he's obviously like strikers don't just need to score goals I know that sounds a bit daft but mm. the link up play how, how they bring other people into the fold um, I think that I wouldn't look too much into the West Ham um, lots of people go places and, and don't maybe take off he might not have settled um, I just certainly hope that he comes up here and hits the ground running it's a, a massive season for Celtic that he needs to be aware of and, and hopefully he'll uh, be able to get the achievements he wants. There's talk of Shane Duffy, Stephen, um, a possible Celtic move for him. He's with Brighton, isn't he? Central defender, and that's obviously an area that Neil Lennon wants to strengthen. Well, I, I imagine he's maybe not playing it. Is he playing it, Brian? I think maybe if he's not playing it, Brian. At the last I seen, he was a very good partnership with. Um, I think it's Lewis Dunk. The two of them a couple of seasons ago were getting heaps of praise uh, on all the maybe Monday night football I'd be watching or whatnot. But um, certainly seems like he'd be a good addition. Um, I didn't realise Celtic were desperate for a centre-half. I know Julian came in for a wee bit of criticism um, against Kilmarnock, but um, since he's come in, he's been he's been very good. So I, I hope there's no knee-jerk decisions there. Scottish football fans are not ones for overreaction, are they? Or diving in at the <laughs> deep end. But uh, there seemed to be quite a lot of uh, uh, disappointment and frustration uh, among Celtic fans about that defensive performance and the fact that, that Nicky Kabamba gave them such a hard time at Rugby Park. Oh, look, I've... I've trained with Kabamba, played with him for six months. He's he's got a lot of attributes that that makes him a real handful. And and if he keeps these sorts of performances up, I'm sure Kumarnock will be struggling to keep a hold of him. But um, again, everyone has a maybe an off day. And again, <laughs> as much as I'd love to be involved in it, the Astro was um, it was a very hot day. The Astro was sticky. It's probably a game that Celtic can they'd rather not have been playing in the, those sorts of conditions. So. I'll give him a couple of benefits with the, the, the surface, but in any day, someone can cause anyone problems. And and obviously, in Kilmarnock, it was, it was great for Kilmarnock. Tuesday night, Dundee United, Neil Hibbs won. Nine points out of nine for Jack Ross and Co. Last night, Motherwell 2, Livingston 2 at Fir Park. In Dingwall, Ross County 2, Kilmarnock 2. And at Ibrox, Rangers 3, St Johnston 0. It's a yet another clean sheet. It's yet another maximum for Steven Gerrard and his teams. But he's not totally happy. Stephen Gerrard's reaction was always a positive to take away. We thought we scored three really good goals, um, so a lot of positives to take from the performance. I thought we got sloppy at three 0 I thought we let the game die out. Um, I've obviously made a lot of subs at one time with an eye on the weekend, um, but at the same time, I'm still expecting us to show better standards at three 0 and, and try and go and get more goals. But it wasn't to be. Um, but we've got valuable minutes into the new, uh, the two new guys. Uh, Kamar and Cedric which is another positive and um, we move on that's three from three with three clean sheets I think if you're a Rangers fan uh, you're delighted Stephen with the result um, and, and you're also delighted to hear the manager not being happy even though they won 3-0 he yeah, wants no, more 
Look, it, it shows you how confident he must be in his squad that he believes that a 3 0 result at St Johnston, remember, we know, or I think it was at home, but with no fans, it's, it's, it's maybe hard to. Sometimes you can be a bit stuck with that if you've not got the atmosphere pushing your eyebrows, but certainly I think I'd have been happy with 3 0 if. if um, if I was a Rangers supporter, but it's good that Gerard's not, and it's important he's got some time in the in the legs of Kemar Roof. I played I played against him at Oxford when he was at Oxford a couple of seasons ago, and, and he he's a, he was a handful. He's kind of an intelligent player, um, so hopefully I'm excited to see how he does up in Scotland. Here's Stephen Gerrard on Roof. The important thing tonight was to get minutes into Kamari, still a little bit behind our lads in terms of match sharpness and fitness, but that'll come. Um, you can see him picking up some really interesting areas, and you know he had a, he has his chance. So it's only a matter of time before he gets uh, fully fit and, and starts producing the goods. Did you see that challenge on roof from uh, Liam Gordon? I, I did not see the challenge. I actually had a wee bit of the the Coman at Ross County game on last night, and then switched to the Motherwell. Livingston one so I didn't actually see that that was that an arson thing and I didn't see it moment there it was indeed I'm sitting <laughs> in the fence uh, I, I didn't see it was it a bad one yeah it was a pretty mm. bad challenge it was yellow um, but I, I would have thought on lots of occasions that would have Could been have good as, as a red he was right in over the top and and actually uh, seeing it happen I mean st- what, what was Stephen Gerrard thinking at that point I've just I've just uh, I've just brought this, I've just brought this guy in I've just got really excited about what he's going to add to the squad and suddenly he's cut in yeah. half but thankfully he got up he's okay and as Stephen Gerrard says um, and you know, obviously, you, you were saying you, you've played against him. What, what, what can what can he add? I mean, Rangers suddenly, if especially if Morellas stays. In fact, talking of Morellas, <laughs> let's update ourselves here. Here's the manager. We haven't heard from Lille for quite a while, um, which is the truth. So we, we'll just wait and we carry on doing what we do. He does have uh, that tone in his voice, doesn't he, when he's answering questions about Morales. Not again. Um, but yeah, he's going to keep on getting them, isn't he, Till it, it sort of finishes one way or another. Um, so no update in terms of, of Morales. And if he stays, Stephen, um, you've, you've got Morales, you've got Defoe is nearly ready to come back, I think. You've got Roof, who you, you know all about, and you've got Cedric Itton. As, as well so you've, you've suddenly got lots of options in those attacking areas lots of options and I think that's the thing that Rangers maybe at times you'd have maybe been critical of them being over-reliant on Morelos um, so certainly getting in the options should make it difficult for, for the teams if, if maybe Morelos is off it or, or if he does leave so they're certainly um, well equipped to deal with the season and um, and, and certainly put in a, a good challenge for against Celtic does he look the type roof that is going to bounce back from challenges like that? He's not. He's not going to be scared away okay, he, by by that the physical side of Scottish when football. When I played against him, he was in League Two, and if it was a bad tackle up here, I imagine it would be nothing compared to what some of the tackles are down there. So, I think unless he's got a wee bit softer, maybe if that would be the word than what he was down in England, I think he'll be be more than happy to take it, and I think he'll just get better when it happens. I think sometimes players react badly to getting kicked. Um, to spend any time in League One or League Two, um, I think the reaction will be positive and, and maybe a negative for St Johnston whenever they've done it. Just going back to the sloppy comments uh, from Stephen Gerrard last night, um, is that a sign that, that he's really confident in his players that they will take that and react to that in the right way? Because obviously some players would might turn around at that point and say, wait a minute, we scored three goals, we'd, we'd a clean sheet, three points, we're top of the league, what's the problem? Look at... I don't know if I'd be, if I was a manager, I don't know if I'd be criticising them, but he obviously believes his players are, are better than what they showed, which again is a, a testament to the belief he has in them, that he thinks that 3 0 isn't good enough and that they did get sloppy. Um I watched the the game on Tuesday night, Dundee United Tibbs, and maybe as a wee bit of 
tiredness. They've not had the, the pre-season they normally would. So um, so maybe that could have been an excuse for them as well. So what do you think? Rangers are top of the league. Are they going to stay there with Celtic currently out of action? They'll certainly stay there up alongside Hibs at the moment. But we're talking uh, the long game, aren't we? Uh, a big season for both clubs. What about Celtic's new man, the £4.5 million man, Albion? A Yeti, what do you think of the new signing? 0808 17 17 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. If top quality football chat is your thing, then this is the place to be. The Go Radio Football Show, Monday to Friday, 5 till 7. Get involved. 0808 17 17 700. We'll get to your calls. We'll get you uh, very much central to the chat and central to our agenda between now and 7. On the text, it's 874 74. Text Go and your message on the socials at Go football show what do you think about the new Celtic signing Albion Ayeti signed for four and a half million pounds from West Ham uh, we did think it was going to be a loan deal with an option to make it permanent but it is a deal a deal done uh, today a deal done last night for Rangers was going joint top of the Premiership alongside Hibs on the back of that 3-0 win against St Johnston Rangers making an early season statement talking about Rangers, and you're listening to Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, and Scotland fullback Stephen O'Donnell in the studio. We have former Rangers star Charlie Miller with us. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Rob. How are you? Very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, no bad, mate. So just, I'm in the middle of watching the chase there, so he's a pit deposit. <laughs> oh, oh, really? <laughs> thanks. Is that, is that a blow? I appreciate it. <laughs> How are you getting on? I've paused it. I've paused it. <laughs> How are you getting on with answers? I'm fine. Have you, oh, you're have... kidding? I don't get any of right, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were more a Krypton Factor man as well But there we go Hi, so what, are you kidding me on? <laughs> so what about Rangers at the moment, Charlie? Are you feeling full of optimism? Great start to the season Yeah, very good start, uh, Rob I was obviously feeling optimistic in January as well So yeah, um, fingers crossed that they, they can go all the way this year um, Obviously, the situation is it Obviously, the COVID-19 situation just now, obviously it's helping us that Celtic uh, aren't playing games just now. So if we keep on winning, then it, it means Celtic are chasing. So um, if Celtic don't win their games, then obviously we'll, we'll be all right, you know. How difficult is it to get over um, that self-combust situation that happened post-winter break? And of course, the Rangers crumbled a bit the season before as well. Does that start to get in your head? Is there a danger of that? Well, <clears throat> I hope not, obviously, because I think this, uh, obviously, January there, they were much closer, obviously. They were, if they win their game in hand, they went ahead of Celtic. The season before, I think they were still maybe five or six points behind at the same stage. But um, I think Rangers have improved um, since, obviously, uh, since Gerald's first season. I think they've got better. Obviously, Celtic have signed a new player uh, last night. So Celtic are going to, obviously, try and strengthen. But, I think Rangers just have to get a January thing out their heads and just go and prove that they can last the last the whole season. You were part of the the Walter Smith nine in a row Rangers team. How how intense does the pressure get when you're on that sort of run and you and you want to stay up there and you you are up there to be shot at, aren't you? Yeah, every year Rangers and Celtic, you're always there to be shot at because the two biggest clubs in the country. But um, when I I was there for us, I had some great players around me. Obviously, guys who'd been there. 
from the, the very first year of the nine in a row, like Sir Richard Goff and Alan McCoyce and people like that. So I was very fortunate. I was a bit more young and naive, um, Rob, I think, because I thought you just win the league every year. <laughs> and I didn't realise how much um, of a great achievement it was to win nine. So it was kind of... When I look back on it now, I realise we've done really well, but we should have got the 10, which actually really hurts. <laughs> but at least you had some solid, calm, mature people alongside, like uh, Paul Gascoigne? Oh, he was very calm. <laughs> <laughs> he was the calmest guy in the dressing room. On the football field, he was the calmest guy. He was, he was an amazing football player, obviously. We'd very fortunate to have Brian Lillard and people like that as well, Mark Cateleys and things like that. So, yeah, Gaza was... He was one in a million, to be honest with you. You've got some good Gaza stories. What's your What's your favourite one? Well, I don't even know if I can tell it on air. Um, <laughs> we'll, 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 bleep, we'll bleep it out at the key bits. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there's loads of Gaza ones. Just There's one where he stayed in the, the lodge at Loch Lomond. Um, and next door, I think it was the next lodge, but to Gaza was Gordon Petrich, his wife, and they weren't getting on. So Gaza was playing golf with Koisty and Durante, I think it was. And Gaza got a swan in the boot of the car. <laughs> I sent it to Gordon Petrich's wife's house, <laughs> the lodge, sorry, opened her kitchen door and let this swan in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine the damage that that caused the house. And I think she helped me a frying pan need. Oh, no. <laughs> Gordon Petrich's wife. Uh, so well, not I, him again. <laughs> I seem to remember a story about Gaza and a, Gaza and a fish as well at some stage, but I'm I'm not sure. Oh, who... aye, the fish, the fish. Oh, that was Gordon Jury. That... Was that Gordon Jury? Yeah, that was Gordon Jury's carried on. Yeah, that was. Did he put, he put it in his car? In... He put one in his the boot of his car and one under the back seat. Oh. Was, was there anyone that didn't get done off at Gascoigne? <laughs> nah, we all get done. Don't make it wrong. Alec Clellan must have hated him as well because Gaza used to wear the same suits for three or four days and. Then steal Alec Clellan's clothes all the time And then leave his clothes And Alec Clellan would get him dry cleaned and all that for him Then Gaza would bring his gear back bogging again So he did That's just what you need isn't it It's Ali here Charlie um, just, Hello Ali how are you I'm good how are you Good good Culture wise you've been around of course A variety of places in Belgium, Norway and Australia You did yep. that at sort of quite young Would you recommend that for players living away Is that something you would say Do you know what Go out experience it Or, or what would you say looking back uh, Well I'll definitely do it 100% I was a bit obviously sceptical I was a wee bit worried about going to Norway at first um, mm. But then obviously Robbie Winters was there It helped me And the Norwegians uh, English is better than my Norwegians So I was very <laughs> fortunate um, But I had two great years over there then and, But everybody speaks English in most of the places um, and they're, they're all great guys. They're all great guys and good good people to play with. And um, obviously, if you've got a family, it's maybe a wee bit more difficult because we have obviously my wife and two kids. So, but as I said, but Robbie being there in Norway really helped me. Robbie Winters. Did you find um, the so, Did you find the culture a lot different? Uh, the football culture, like compared to what you were used to in Scotland. Well, of course, um, we train more. I'll tell you that. Is that Stephen? There? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Stephen. Apologies. Hi, Sorry, Paul. Aye, um, we trained very hard. And, and Norway was very difficult, to be honest with you. And the, the, the strange thing was, we're day off was the day before the game, which Seriously? killed me. <laughs> Aye, that was strange. Actually strange, so it was. But um, now we used to train Sunday nights, running up mountains and things like that. And we were in the gym a lot. I'd never been in the gym before, practically, in my life. So I was like, game, like Homer Simpson, trying to get in the gym, you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, they didn't appreciate um, the ability but, you had That's what it must have been 
Uh, was that. They didn't appreciate that you were the piano player, not the carrier. Hi, well, they did after a while. Trust me. <laughs> I, I went. I went for. I went for fifteen stone to fourteen and a half. So they done all right. <laughs> Charlie, tell us a little bit that, about the football academy at Tory Glen. Well, I've been doing it for nine years. I've, I've got seven seven kids teams and. Wow. Um, I just thought uh, I wanted to do it. Obviously, I finished. I, chucked, I stopped playing at thirty-four, and I thought, well, what can I do? So I started the academy up, and obviously, the first couple of years, it's very difficult to get teams and things like that. But now we've got seven teams, and we lose a lot of players to pro youth every year now. So, well, we produce some great kids. Obviously, it's a pleasure to coach your kids and see them flourish and see them improve every every time you're coaching them. And then in the games on a Sunday, when you've Worked on something with them and they, they do the, that trick or that pass, you think, oh, it's definitely worthwhile, you know? Absolutely. And how sort of involved in the training are you? Do you kind of oversee everything or do you ever turn up to the training? Oh, I get involved. Do you? I'm there every time. Every night I'm there, every night, yeah. Wow, is that your every nightlife's better gone. now then, eh? <laughs> than when you were ah, younger? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> how, do, how do you find, Charlie, sorry, Stephen, again, do you find, see when the boys go to Pro Youth, are you... Happy about it, obviously frustrated that you're losing a, a obviously a, a talented kid, but do you welcome it with open arms that you want your kids to go and do and do well in the professional game? Yeah, 100% we want them to go and do well, but I think the pro youth, I don't think the pro youth works personally. Um, people will disagree with me, but for, for me, the pro youth started in 97. The last time we went to a major tournament was 98. I, I don't believe it works, um, but that's the way we're doing it. Um, but I think the kids are getting taken too young. They're not. They're not actually allowed to be kids. They're taking. They're getting a lot of pressure put on them. With this gone pro youth, and um, I think they should just be still playing their boys clubs. Because when, when the pro youth players are playing their boys clubs, they bring their other kids on. They help their other kids, and then it makes the the, league, the rest of the league stronger. Where you've got so many pro youth players playing in each boys club team. I don't think it was a. I think it was a problem the years before when I was younger that. He played boys club to fifteen or sixteen, so I think I think personally we should go back to that. But uh, who am I to say that? You C- know? Certainly, what I can I, I I'm not in a place to say whether I, I think it should or shouldn't be in, involved the pro youth setup. But what I did experience myself as a kid is that whenever you, you are playing pro youth, you you do find the pressure starts to come involved at a very young age, and and yep. for a lot of boys, I reckon the enjoyment comes out of it because. You are on the chopping block from from under nines, under tens. When you sign with whoever it is, there's players coming in all the time, and they're to try to take your place, and and that can be maybe good for you to kind of build up some uh, maybe stronger mentality around it. But obviously, the enjoyment comes out of it. And I found I've, I played in my school team um, up until uh, third year, which I wasn't meant to do, but I'd done it because I loved it. I enjoyed playing yeah, with my pals, and not that I'm a particularly tricky player but you were able to a bit, bit more freedom to go and enjoy yourself and, and that's taken out a wee bit pro youth but I'm I'm not sure well, what the right thing is but... I agree well I didn't think it was that bad before I really didn't I ain't gone to 15 or 16 in your boys club because we used to obviously we still produce football players but it's just I don't think we produce as many because at 9 and 10 year old we're telling good kids that are not good enough at 9 and 10 no, no, I mean they're saying to them all, oh, we'll bring you in and then oh, just you go back to your boys club team, we'll keep an eye on you, you're not ready or you're not this or... I, I think, as I said, kids aren't allowed to be kids, they're not letting them be kids. Let them play with their friends, let them enjoy it. Have them in at the Pro Youth maybe once or twice a week, but don't make it a revolving door. Yeah. You know, work with the kids, 
don't have to six weeks or seven weeks say, oh, you're, you're not ready, you're not good enough. The problem is, though, they're, job. Then, they're then worried if a good boy comes through and, like, say, Celtic or Rangers in particular, and they go, oh, well, we, we, we had him or we could have had him, but we, you know, I mean, he went down to Man U because we couldn't get him and we lost out in money. That, that's, I suppose, where the, the fear comes in, of losing young, talented boys. But it's... Well, the fear, look, the fear for me then, Stephen, is I, I produce a kid at five year old, right? I'm the one that coaches them from five to ten, just say, what, what do I get out of it? I don't get in out of it, practically. We probably get, we're lucky if we get a bag of balls. If, and that's not just me, it's every yep. uh, youth team in Scotland. So, youth teams in Scotland are produce players, but we're the ones that get them from being a baby to get them to learn the, how to touch, uh, to take a touch, how to pass the ball. So, we're the ones that really work at the beginning. We're the ones that <laughs> get them really interested. And then, after a 10 year old, people are telling them, and nah, I, you're not, you're not good yeah. enough. And then the kid comes back to you wrecked. Do you worry, Charlie, you know? about our ability in Scotland to produce players like we used to because of the way we're going about it? There's great coaches. Don't get me wrong. There's great coaches at pro youth clubs, and some of them are very good. Um, but some of them are just look after themselves and don't really care about the kids. That's what I think personally. Um, it should be all about the kids, and the coaches come second. Um, we used to produce. We're not producing so many housing scheme kids anymore either. Um, like for Cass, Mount Drumchat, we used to race and that. It's, it's more of a struggle for them. It's more of football has become a right middle class game now, and football boots are 150 quid, 200 pound, and things like that. Now I would never have been able to afford them. I was all being done lot pings or something like that when I was a kid, you know. So, so it's become a game. Um, it's become a game for the elite, like golf. Well, it's became it's became a game for the the middle class. Definitely, it's. I, I, if you're poor you, you struggle I would argue with you slightly Because I would Say could you not A ball is still £10 When I was a kid £10-£15 And you can play in your trainers My dad tells me oh, he, His grandpa used to play in ah, socks Steven, uh, ah, But it's trying to, try to pay To play now It's, it's to, yeah. It's trying to pay The fees things. And things like that You know what I mean It's oh. trying to pay to play It's trying to keep up With other kids Who's got the £200 boots on It's, it's, it's trying to um, Try to get to the the training now, things like that, you know. Yeah, transport. But a lot of parents and if haven't got that, house. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people haven't got that now. So, but we, oh, we, I'm very fortunate. I've got some great kids. I'm in a great facility, mm-hmm. um, and we, we'll keep on definitely trying to improve the kids, and hopefully, we get a wee superstar one day. I believe we will. Um, I believe I get some great young kids. But obviously, when they leave us at ten year old and eleven year old, whatever, then it's up to the guys who. Are that the pro you've said it to coach them properly, look after them, and make the kids their main priority. You know, you obviously you obviously get a lot of satisfaction, Charlie, from what you're doing. Do, do you miss though being involved with football at the top level? Oh, of course, I, I, I of course I do. I, I played for what, 15, 16, 17 year or whatever it was, seventeen year um, at a very good level, and I was very fortunate because um, it's a lot of people I played with who didn't make it. Um, so, I, I loved the dream. I, I played at Rangers. I was won some uh, trophies, and I was in part of one uh, part of one of the greatest nights in history. But to be to be missing, no playing in front of fifty thousand fans and things like that anymore. Yeah, you you do miss it definitely. And the buzz you used to get playing in old firm games, and, um, it's, you can't beat it. For me, the old firm is the biggest game in the world. Definitely, you know. How do you feel um, about what's happening in the game at the moment, the COVID crisis and the Aberdeen 8 and Bully Bull and Goalie and the fact that we're 
hanging by a thread at the moment. I mean, uh, there's just been a, a new a statement issued by the Joint Response Group, um, basically tightening up everything, the protocols, trying to toughen things up, and who knows what's around the corner in the way of potential punishments for clubs and players and, and all the rest of it. Um, and having gone through this long period without football, you know, we're in danger of, of, of shutting down again just because... Uh, of of these basic breaches of the rules. I mean, how, how do you feel about it? Oh, it's ter- it was a terrible decision from the Aberdeen boys and the, the, the Celtic player was even worse. That was mm. ridiculous um, what he's done. And obviously Celtic, the rest of the Celtic players have went and abided by the rules and so have the rest of the Aberdeen boys. Um, and I've I seen uh, Neil Lennon's interview. He was livid, you could tell that. Mm. Um, but, but obviously it's just, it doesn't just affect... Celtic, it affects everybody in Scotland. The teams, the first division, second division, the women's football, the kids' football, yeah. it affects everyone, you know, and, and fans are desperate to get back to watch their teams and then the next minute we could be told we're no, we're no starting the season, but the season's getting cancelled again because of the the, the, the virus. pandemic, you know, so... Mm. It's not, yeah, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the most important aspect of this, obviously, but how, no, cru- how, how, how crucial for the season could be the fact that Rangers are getting off to a flyer here in terms of the the gap that they have over Celtic at this stage, which they have the chance to increase, of course, um, in, in the coming days. Could, could this be crucial to the to the season if they if they get themselves a good, healthy lead? Uh, Rob, two seconds. See the... The pandemic's obviously a lot of people have lost their lives, which is the most important thing. Obviously, it's sad for the families and things like that. You know, I didn't mean anything like that. You know, but um, obviously, Rangers have got a wee jump in Celtic. Now, obviously, Celtic threw it out last week as well, and obviously because of the situation with Ball and Goalie, that they're they're going to miss two or three games, so they're a wee bit more rusty than Rangers. But playing catch up is very difficult. But Celtic are very strong, and they've proved over the last few seasons of seven or eight seasons, nine seasons, whatever, that they're they're very strong and they're capable of catching teams. So but Rangers getting a wee a wee jump in them is gonna put a lot a little bit more pressure on Celtic definitely. Charlie Good. I think Lennon knows that. I think Neil yeah. knows that. I think Neil Lennon knows that. You yeah, know? I think you can tell um, that in the tone of his voice at the moment as he gets increasingly um upset yep. with people letting him down. Charlie, good to talk to you. And Rob, no problem. All the best with, Thanks, with, with the Football guys. Academy. That's Cheers. Former, Cheers. Rangers, former Rangers star Charlie Cheers, Miller guys. on the Go Radio Football Show. You take care too. <laughs> the Go Radio Football Show. It's good to have you with us on the Go Radio Football Show, 5 till 7, uh, every night of the week. And, uh, well, we love to have you involved, not just listening, but contributing as well. What's on your mind? What would you like to say? An opinion, a question, whatever you fancy. 0808 17 17 700. Text GO on your message to 87474. And on the socials, it's at Go Football Show. We just heard from the former Rangers player, Charlie Miller, interesting thoughts from him on uh, what's happening with Rangers now, what happened with Rangers then, and of course uh, what's happening now in the way of development of youngsters, uh, which he's very much involved in at the moment. Last night Rangers went joint top of the Premiership. Today Celtic completed the signing of Albion. A Yeti, four and a half million pounds 
from West Ham. And we've brought you that breaking news as well, that announcement from the Joint Response Group, which today outlined a, a wide range of measures agreed with the Scottish Government to reinforce Scottish football's commitment to public health and adherence to those protocols. The measures have been approved by the JRG and they follow extensive uh, talks with Scottish Government ministers and health advisors. I'm just picking my way through the announcement here for you. Uh, Rod Petrie, the uh, Joint Response Group Chair, uh, quoted tonight as saying the message from the First Minister couldn't have been clearer. The JRG must now ensure that the planned resumption of football beyond the Scottish Premiership is done in a controlled manner with the strictest adherence to protocols and guidelines. The pause on the return to training for the professional game out with the Premiership will not impact on the proposed start dates of the respective league competitions, but will give sufficient time to reinforce protocols, educate players and make sure of the ability of clubs in the lower divisions to conform. Uh, Neil Doncaster, SPFL Chief Executive, said today's measures underline the fact that Scottish football is doing everything it possibly can to protect our game. The recent high-profile breaches must be used as further motivation for all those with our game's best interests at heart to comply absolutely with these necessary restrictions and safeguards. And the repercussions, of course, are being felt up and down the game, for instance, uh, Glasgow City, with Leon Crichton on with us last night, of course, uh, can continue to train, says the statement, in preparation for their Champions League tie against Wolfsburg, which is uh, a week tomorrow and will be visited to audit and verify compliance. I mean, we were hearing from Leon about all the, the strictures, all the... Uh, barriers that they have to cross to just even go through a training session. It's unbelievable. Uh, also, Hearts uh, have been informed of the need to pause their current training programme until at least the 24th of August. Uh, adult, that's over 18, recreational football will not be permitted to participate in any form of organised training. And finally, youth football under 18 can continue in line with Scottish Government guidance. It's a real shame, isn't it, that... Uh, uh, Stephen, when we're talking football at the moment, um, we're talking a lot of gobbledygook, aren't we? But we're talking about serious restrictions. And the word that screams out of to me from all of that is that we're in a really fragile situation. Yeah, I think certainly the, the couple instances that have happened over the last week um, have certainly meant that this this needs to go ahead and this clarity and and there is no 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 excuses anymore. Um, we're all very clear and, and sadly a couple of people have lost out in that and, and I think Hart's certainly there with, with not being able to train now until the 24th of August will feel a wee bit hard done by but these are sadly things though you see the, the under 18s as well that's it's a shame that they can't um, have as it organised or I don't know legal training I think that would be the best way to describe it um, so it's a, it's a real shame It's about people taking responsibility isn't it I mean how what did you think uh, when you heard about the Aberdeen 8 followed by uh, volleyball and goalies trip to Spain well I have the luxury that I know a few of the, the Aberdeen 8 well and um, I think what I do know is it was a mistake an honest mistake that, that they, they are sorry about but it was never a, a I think it's, it's been portrayed a lot that footballers think they're above the law and it, and it certainly wasn't that it was a mistake and do you think they were in like a bubble thinking we train yeah, with each other, I, I we get tested all the time, this you're, is, you're, we're okay to do this? You're kicking lumps out of each other in training still. That's still happening. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not 
they should have done it. it. Yeah. But I yeah. think that's they have the the. I think it was a mistake, and I know them. I mean, you and, see and the you characters see, that they are. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you see a mistake, but costly. I mean, Co- a really very co- like costly, costly mistake, for for it? Aberdeen and the rest of Scottish football. Um, I think it was mentioned in the show as well. I think by um, the St Mirren manager that ball and goalies is slightly different, and I mm. find that a bit harder to um, to have sympathy for. I think that'd be the best way to put it. Ross is a Celtic fan and he has got in touch with the Go Radio Football Show. Hi, Ross. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Hi, Stephen and Ali. How are you two doing? We're good. How are you? Yeah, doing not too bad. Not too bad. I was hoping to talk about last night's game for Celtic, but obviously that's, uh, yeah. that's not happening. Um, I had a few other topics, but just to kind of quickly brush on that one with the, the statement that just came out there, hmm. um, I, it kind of feels like this is uh, no way. I, I can't take any kind of uh, anything away from what the players have done. They, what they've done was to me was just wrong. But it kind of feels from the starting point that there should have been something, a discussion between the SPFL and the Scottish government to clarify everything, and the players knew because it kind of feels like a lot of the players just were, did not know. And I'm not using that. That's no way an excuse. For what the Aberdeen players done, what the Celtic players do you, do you not, done. Do you not think? Do you not think Ross Common Sense would have told you that these I were the have. wrong things to do? It kind of felt like an escalation because it, it feels as if a, like what happened with Aberdeen players with the uh, Lee Griffiths house party with uh, it, it feels as if there was a slight escalation and then obviously it just kind of the cherry on top was the Bolingoli one, which just was ridiculous. Mm. And it kind of I, I don't know whether players felt that. Oh well, some can go out and have a drink. Some can do this, and I, I, I might be wrong in saying this, but I think the Griffiths House Party was about the same time, round about the same time as the, the Aberdeen players thing. But the Lee Griffiths story story blo- broke later. I think so, the fo- I think that's the only fortunate thing or saving grace for the the footballers is that they've happened. I don't think they'd been reported when the previous thing had happened. So you can only say that they, this is yeah. one warning. It's just the way it all broke was as if. Oh, there's eight out. One after then, another. Yes. After another. So, so like that's dominoes. a slight positive, but there's no, there is no positive here. It's it's mistakes that. Well, there is. Work, uh, <laughs> there's a couple. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Ali's a bit ahead of the game for us. I'm not smart enough <laughs> to get that joke right away. <laughs> how worried? Uh, are, how worried are you, Ross, about what this is all leading towards? Do you think we can get a grip well, at this stage? I'm kind of looking at the big picture for Scottish football because. When you've seen like the English football came back, the German football came back, the threat, like other leagues have come back, and I don't remember hearing any stories of any breaches or any kind of any players basically stepping out of line, going to the pubs or doing anything that kind of was going to put the sport in jeopardy in their countries. Didn't Jack Grealish, um, Aston Villa, wasn't he caught out? Just to add that into the mix. Oh, I've, I've forgotten about that one. Yeah, like the kind of that what. I don't even. I actually totally forgot that. I think he. he had, I think he had a house party or went to a party or something. Was, yeah, there was some um, sort of you know. breaking of the rules. Yeah, but I don't think anything as strategic has happened in English football uh, that that actually threatened uh, the resumption of it and 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 had the opportunity, the prospect of taking us back to where we were. So you know, I, I think that's the that's the big worry, Ross, isn't yeah. it? That that uh, that we're we're one away from shutdown again. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of stings a little bit more just now because it feels like it's only two weeks back. We've literally, there's only been like, for Celtic, there's only two games at that point. After that point of two games, 
it's like you've got the Aberdeen story, then you've got the Griffiths one, then you've got the ball and goal. Even like the pre-season one, there was a, a, I would put the, I've seen the Rangers one with the Dundee United with the, the testing thing, which I would have put down as a genuine error just between the clubs and not realising whatever the guidelines were. But the, there was a kind of escalation and it just kind of, and as I say, they just kind of got to a, yeah. a point now where, as you say, it's, it's literally on a kind of nice edge ah, of how, sure how fragile the whole thing is. And and it, it's now I'm going to unpack the whole of Scottish football. Yeah, that, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ross, uh, thanks for uh, getting in touch with us on the Go Radio Football Show. You can do the same on 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Thanks to Nancy for the news. You are back with the Go Radio Football Show. It's Monday to Friday. It's five till seven. Tonight, Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, and Scotland fullback Stephen O'Donnell is here as well. Previously on the show, we heard from uh, former Rangers star Charlie Miller. To come, we will hear from uh, Michael Gardine of Ross County. We'll hear from John Rankin as well. It's the top football chat. Get yourself involved. 0808 17 17 700. And texting to 87474 with Go and your message at Go Football Show on the socials. Uh, last night, Rangers 3, St. Johnston nil. We heard from Stephen Gerrard earlier and his team have gone joint top of the Premiership. The other games, Ross County 2, Kilmarnock 2. What a season. What a start to the season for the Dingwall team. Uh, Alex Dyer's side getting a point on the back of that draw with Celtic. Meanwhile, at Fur Park, it was Motherwell 2, Livingston 2. Motherwell's first point of the season. Was Stephen Robinson happy? Don't think so. I could call day in the game throughout. Um, I've been gentle on the boys. Um, I think a few people have turned up here thinking they're going to use this football club to get moves and everything will just happen like it did last season. So I'll put a few home treats to people tonight and I'm expecting a reaction. Um, this, this football club's done very well for people and people that think they can just turn up and play and it'll happen for them and they'll get a move or they'll, they'll just happen in the game and they'll, they'll score or stay with runners. So there's quite a few I'm told that I wasn't happy with it. Yeah, we got the point, we're off the mark, but I'll be expecting a lot better than that there going forward. That was the Stephen Robinson, Alex Dyer remix that uh, the world has been asking for. And uh, now, that we've heard it, now, now that we've heard it, <laughs> I don't think we're probably going to continue with it, to be perfectly honest. But uh, he did not, Stephen O'Donnell, sound a happy man. I thought it was the most sense the three of them had spoke of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no it, uh, certainly the, the Mullow manager didn't seem overly happy. Um, I think... When Actually, if you, if you put Stephen Robinson and Alex, that if you did manage to merge them, you'd probably get a sort of calm, <laughs> Stephen a calm, a calm individual somewhere in the middle, wouldn't you? The, um, no, the um, it was certainly didn't sound particularly pleased with the performance, but I think that's just can be the the frustration of the start. I know he's had a few injuries, and they finish and having such a great season last year. Um, he will just be looking to make sure that none of the players take for granted um, what they'd done to get there, which is mainly hard work. You need to work hard before you're your philosophy and your style can can take over. Some really harsh comments, weren't there? I mean, he said, thanks to the seven who turned up, basically. Um, so four of those guys in the 11, and, and may, maybe more than four if you consider substitutes as well, he just think he just thinks they're they're turning up and, and not delivering. Look, you could, you could look at it in a negative or you could spin it and say there's seven that seven were outstanding. <laughs> there's seven of them that were outstanding. Seven out of 11. Exactly. Look, they, they should have won. Does that not mean if they'd seven better than the 11? But no, look, I certainly didn't seem pleased with a few players. And and um, what what's good is not naming those. Sometimes when this happens, managers like to, to dig, dig out a player and, and, and say who it is and it's keeping it in-house is, is far better and not naming names. And I'm sure they will be well aware who, who the four are. 
I'm not sure if uh, if uh, Dave, where David Turnbull comes in in terms of uh, players criticised, and I mean he certainly delivered in terms of the goal, the goal, you know, really beautifully taken goal, top top quality from from uh, from David Turnbull, and you ju- you just look at those players, Stephen, and you think sooner or later, surely. Yeah, no, they've got they've got a very good squad, and and I know it's been tested a few injuries, but he um, it's good to see Turnbull back playing. Um, He's he's got a big future in the game. I just hope his injuries haven't hindered him too much. Um, but certainly for what we'd seen um, a couple of seasons ago now was was exceptional young young talent. Which obviously speaking to Charlie Miller earlier, there there isn't a huge amount of, and um, it'll be good to see him come back fully fit. Next for Motherwell, it is Hibbs at the weekend. Uh, here's Stephen Robinson again. Let's see if he's calmed down. We need to do everything better. You know, yeah, we battled and scrapped, but we're better than that. Yeah, we, we need to learn when to combine, when to play, when not to play, when to go a little bit longer, not hoof everything long to Jordan. You know, I'm not going to change my style of play. We'll, we'll vary it up. You know, we've got a good squad. People will be left out of the side at times. That's what happens with good teams. Um, and they have to deal with it a lot better than what they are dealing with it at the moment. But don't worry, I'll sort that out. Have Mother will become a bit confused, I wonder, uh, about how to play because uh, the fact that, you know, he's alluding to the fact that Jordan White's out there and suddenly... Some people are, are, are launching it up to him because that seems a, an easy and obvious option. But it's not the way Motherwell have been going about their business under Stephen Robinson. Yeah, no, certainly when, when I played Motherwell last season, they played good football. Um, they like to push their full-backs on and, and they had very tricky wingers. Um, but you can't be you can't really afford to be one-dimensional. Um, and obviously if, if uh, White is, is a bit more direct, then it's good to utilise that strength. But it's about getting the balance, and I think that's the same with with every every team, every every structure. It's about the balance being right, and and having that that directness at times is certainly a, a good ploy to have. It, it does get you up the park a lot quicker. Um, whenever we pl- I played with the likes of Chris Boyd, it was at times you you maybe get carried away playing it, trying to force it. But um, what it does is it means teams drop off, and then you're able to then play more of your your pretty football. Don't know about you, but I'm quite keen to hear from the Kilmarnock manager, Alex Dyer, on the back of last night. Ross County to Kilmarnock to. Good game tonight. I'm um, disappointed that we didn't win the game after we went 2-1 up. I thought we should have had two pens tonight. And obviously they got a pen, which I thought was dubious as well. So, disappointed overall. What's he like, Alex Dyer, to work with? He's he's uh, brilliant. I honestly couldn't... He's one of the most relaxed guys. You can tell by his tone. He's just so relaxed. He's... He sounds horizontal. <laughs> At times it could be. However, I did see him on a few occasions. Um, occasionally, at me as well, kind of get riled up a wee bit. But he's um, someone that someone I loved working with over my full my full time at Kilmarnock, and I've got a lot of time for him. And I hope that I hope that he has a has a great season. Um, certainly, be good for him to. He's been an assistant, and now he's got the the helm to himself and and making the calls. And that's. Uh, the hardest bit as a manager whenever you've got nobody to turn you're, you're the one that turns to people but you're everyone comes to you for their problems or if they're not playing and 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 I think he's got the mentality to to, to handle it but um and I hope he does he's he's a he's a real um great guy let's talk to the other half of that result last night in Dingwall Michael Gardine Mr Ross County record breaker appearances goals still going strong Michael I still doing no bad for an old man I um <laughs> Obviously, thirty-four now, but I'm hanging in there. Yeah, you certainly are. Um, Ross County are more than hanging in. What a start to the season! I mean, you presumably even you guys couldn't have dreamed of this. Seven points out of nine already. Ah, it's been a good start. Um, obviously, I'm not getting carried away ourselves three games in, but um, the seven points from nine, like you said, um, uh, definitely would have been happy with that at the start if you said that to us. 
And playing some pretty tasty football as well. Aye, aye, we're, we're playing well, you know, we've had a good bit of time in pre-season there to work on how we want to play, you know, the manager, uh, Richmond and Don Curry have been brilliant, so um, they've obviously implemented their style that they want to bring to the team and, you know, it's working out well um, up till now. Are you not surprised then at the results? Because I, I, most of us, even even me, who's got Ross Kenty in, in the blood because of where I come from, um, you know, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I didn't expect this because I looked at the quite a few departures. You know, Fraser, Foster, Kelly, quite a, um, Don Cowie retired. There were quite a lot of players dropping out. I wasn't sure who was coming in. I wasn't sure about the strength of the squad, Michael. Um, but maybe the last thing you are is surprised. I obviously we've we've managed to bring a few a few players in and you know they've started the season and done well and um, you know we managed to obviously keep a few from last year as well which was was good and you know, we've got we've got a bit of strength and depth here as well and, and competition for places which which is obviously brilliant as well. Does it just give you some breathing space early on as well because the the other side of the coin is you struggle early on maybe likes of what Mother will have done one point out of nine. And and suddenly, even this early, you know what we're like in Scottish football. You're you're under pressure, um, but the opposite applies uh, to you. You've got you've got points in the bank already. Aye, and and, and maybe in the past, you know, we've been we've been one of the teams that hasn't started uh, too brightly. So it's nice to be uh, to start the other way this season. And and just like I said, you know, there's you can't get carried away three games in. There's obviously a lot of big games to come, but um, but definitely, you know, we're happy after the first three games. I certainly know from my time at Kilmarnock, um, Michael, when it was Steve Clark was big on get safe first. That's the biggest problem or biggest target. And once you've hit that, you then go for your next. Is that a similar attitude you're adopting up at County or have you set your, your target already as top six? No, obviously, like last season, we finished 10th before obviously everything happened. Um, you want a better where you, where you finished last season. But, you know, I, I like that approach, you know, get safe first, whatever the the target of points is to be safe and then kick on from there. But um, us as a team, you know, you want to do better than you done last season. And, you know, last season we felt, I don't know, it was, it was nice to obviously be safe after just coming up. But, you know, you always want to do better than, than a 10th place finish. Yeah, no, definitely. How did you feel about the result last night? Because you were ahead in the game and then you were 2-1 down and then, then you got the equaliser late on. So are you quite happy with, with a point, all things considered? I think, uh, just like you say, all things considered, the point was probably a fair result. Um, I felt like we were doing fine at 1-0. We played really well first half. Um, and Kilmarnock obviously came out and all guns blazing second half and, and done well going front. But, you know, I think maybe last season we probably would have been guilty of going, going under there and maybe losing the game 3-1 or whatever. But, um, you know, it shows we've got a bit of character and, um, you know, we're pleased to, with the 2-2 um, at the final whistle to be fair I'm going to put you in the spot here did did you agree with um, Alex Dyer and think it was a bit juvious the penalty or, or did you think it was, it was did you think it was one I think it's one of the ones the first bit I don't know the answer it's still more nah I'm only joking um, I think it's just one of the ones he's two, yard, two three yards away from me it's hard for him like where do like the rules these days like if it hits your hand yeah. where do you actually put your hands and stuff but you know obviously I've put the cross in and I hit his arm, so the first thing I do is claim into it. 100%. As a, as a footballer, and, you know, lucky enough we got it, but um, I think over the course of the season, everything kind of works out. You know, we might, that might happen next week against us, and, and we'll get one against the kind of thing, so... Um, so what, you, what are you saying? It was a brilliant cross, and that deserved a penalty? 
and it was a fantastic step <laughs> over and a great cross and, eye and then and you said that Chris Burke was too old and he couldn't move his hand out of the way quick enough yeah. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Burke was fantastic last night the old man that you <laughs> I know because he, he's that crucial two years older than you isn't he so, so you're a kind of young, young thing in comparison aye he gives me a bit of belief that I've still got a few years left in my locker to be fair do you, do you think you will play on for a, for a good bit longer, Michael, or do you, you just kind of see how it goes, take it take it as it comes along? I take it as it comes along, but um, you know I look after myself um, on and off the field, and you know I still feel good, I still feel fit and sharp, so just kind of long may it continue, and, and we'll see what happens this season and, and beyond. Tell me about Ross Stewart. How good a player could he become? Do you think? I think he could become a really good eye. Obviously, when he first came, he was that kind of raw striker and his touch was just alright and stuff but you know he's brushed up in all these sides of these games you know he's much better at holding in he's, he could play striker he's been playing off the left and um, I think obviously he just keeps doing what he's doing and, and the sky's the limit for the boy Where do you think his preferred position is would you say off off the left or, or right or through the middle because I've seen him play all three Aye I think he obviously enjoys playing through the middle but I think he'd probably be the first to admit that he's actually enjoyed his, his, his spell on the left and um, because obviously once he gets the ball and gets driving and gets going, he's, he's actually really quick as well for such a tall guy. Um, he's got that um, the long legs when he opens up, he goes. But, you know, I think he's, he's one of the guys, like he's, his feet are on the ground as long as he's playing, he's happy kind of thing. Not good. What about Josh Reed as one who's just broken into the team? I mean, he seems to have made a pretty pretty big impact in a, in a short space of time. And obviously, Michael, it's, it's great for the... The local identity of the team, isn't it? That a local, a local youngster has come through the academy and has burst down that door into the first team. Aye, I think it definitely. I think it's massive. Um, a club like Ross County, you should be producing players, you know. And also, Josh Reed's come in; he's done fantastic. He's he's done well, and you know, last night he was a bit gutted after the game last night. And I just said to him, Chris Bark, what a career he's had. It was a good test for you. He's done well. Um, and we've got we've got three or four others who have been training in the first team and, and they're champing at the bit to go as well. And it's not a great surprise that, that Ross County are producing good young players and, and of course some of them even move on before they hit the first team uh, because they're poached um, elsewhere. But the facilities, Michael, I mean, Ross County's achievements anyway for a town of with a 5,000 population is just ridiculous, isn't it, anyway? But the, the academy facilities are pretty much second to none, aren't they? Aye, as it's brilliant. Obviously, um, the facilities, like you say, are, are really good. Um, there's something like four, five, six pitches, indoor astral pitch, outdoor astral pitch. It really is a, it's a good place to be. And I always kind of say it, just everybody thinks, oh, Highland, miles away, and that's actually not the worst. It's only, depending on what kind of driver you are, it's only 45 from Perth, you know what I mean? Well, play, players are coming under a lot of scrutiny here. I don't know if I'd be, say, I'd be saying, depending on what type of driver you are. <laughs> I always hate those. I always hate those people that say it's a difficult place to get to. No, it's not really. You just go on the A nine and keep going. <laughs> great road all Just day never off, ending. Right? Like, but it is, it's, um, it's a great, it's a great place to play football. And, and obviously, you've got a team when you come up here. You know, you're well looked after with the club. Um, whether it's looking for bigs to stay in, and, and obviously the training facilities and the gym and stuff like that is brilliant. Michael, it's Ali here. I was talking to some of the team um, at Ross County, um, the background staff, I guess, and they were saying how far ahead that you are up at Ross County and maybe people elsewhere won't realise what's going on at Dingwall. How do you feel, I guess, with COVID and everything going on, the testing? Is it quite smooth for for yourself and the teammates? Aye, it's been brilliant. You know, we've just done what, what we were told to do kind of thing, I think. And, you know, we've came in when we first started. We, we trained in the 
uh, groups of six, what we were meant to, no mm-hmm. contact, had our two tests a week and stuff, you know, and we're still two tests a week now. Um, we've just done everything, everything properly and everything's went swimmingly up to now, so just that kind of long may it continue again kind of thing. And you just get into that routine, Michael. It's obviously strange to start with, but it, but like everything else, it becomes just a routine and, and you just have to go through all this crazy stuff to, to even train. Aye, it is. Aye, like, obviously it was very strange to start with, but you do, you just get used to it and, you know, you'll, you'll do anything to get everybody's missing football and special players will do anything that it takes to get back in and get, get going again. So, you know, to, to get two tests and temperatures just taken out every day, it's just it's just a part and parcel of it now. And, you know, I think everybody's used to it and everybody's just buzzing to kind of be back in training and, and now that the games have started. And it's worrying for everyone. You you must be worried like we all are, I guess, that we're teetering on the brink again if we're not careful. Aye, definitely. Aye. I think, um, obviously, as a club, we've just made sure we look after ourselves. You know, we don't really... Um, do anything about what happens at other clubs but you know as long as we take care of ourselves and, and make sure we do it properly then hopefully uh, everybody else follows the same lead And do you think Ross County can hang about up at the, the top end of the of the Premiership for a little bit longer? I hope so I obviously we've got a, a big game again on Saturday you know Dundee United who have came up they've had a great start as well so that'll be a tough test again but um, you know I hope another home game so another chance to get to get a win and you know well, well you want to win your home games in, in the league and, and hopefully we can manage that again on Saturday and you feel for the fans don't you because uh, you know they, they are obviously champing at the bit at the moment hopefully I mean we spoke to Professor Jason Leach on Monday and he was hoping that that uh, provisional date of 14th September might apply to start getting at least some fans inside the ground and uh, while well, the county fans must be looking on at the moment, watching the the streaming of the matches on uh, on Ross County TV, and and just wishing they were there to be, to be seeing such a an amazing start to the season. I definitely, I think um, goes without saying. You know, obviously it's the old saying, uh, football is nothing without fans, kind of thing. And you know, it is strange playing the games, and um, you could hear every swear word that gets said amongst <laughs> the players and stuff like that. Um, that's not, know, not you though, is it? <laughs> that's all me I ah you want you need the fans there you want the fans there and obviously uh, Ross County you know maybe we haven't had a, as good a start in, in the past and you know the fans will be missing that but I think obviously they've got the Ross County TV and that which is good but it's obviously it's not, as, it's not as good as being live at the game is it Michael good to hear from you and see if you can get that uh, five year contract extension from Roy <laughs> McGregor uh, good luck with that one but uh, good luck with the rest of the season and thanks for joining us on the, the Go Radio football thanks, show thanks, thanks very much get in touch yes, with us yes. oh wait, oh wait 17, 17, 700 the Go Radio football show it's the essential football chat show the Go Radio football show Monday to Friday 5 till 7 Celtic have got their man Albion Ayeti is a Celtic player on a four-year contract. Four and a half million pounds is the fee that's been paid to West Ham United. Uh, what do you reckon? Neil Lennon certainly getting excited about his new acquisition, who will wear number 10. And Rangers fans getting excited as well about the fact their team is top of the Premiership, along with Hibs, nine points out of nine on the back of that 3-0 win against St Johnston at Ibrox last night. But uh, Stephen Gerrard wasn't entirely happy, was he? Called them sloppy after going three in front, uh, even though they won the game 
fairly emphatically uh, he still wants more from his players. Interesting reaction from him. What's your reaction to that 3-0 win for Rangers last night? They haven't lost a goal uh, in pre-season games either. It's been a winning run from Rangers and uh, they are continuing, continuing it with Celtic uh, not involved at the moment. So they are stretching out at the top of the table. 0808 17 17 700. And some, uh, some news here in the online with the Glasgow Times that Celtic defender Bully Bull and goalie in Aberdeen's eight self-isolating players. We were speaking about that joint response group statement earlier. They'll learn their fate tomorrow after it was revealed they would be sanctioned by the SFA and the SPFL. Prime Minister, uh, First Minister even Nicola Sturgeon, getting a little bit overexcited with the story, <laughs> fired Scottish football a final warning on Tuesday after both Bull and Gully and the Pataudry pub goers failed to adhere to coronavirus safety rules. As a result, the SFA and SPFL Joint Response Group have introduced a provision of sanctions to ensure the Scottish Premiership is not pressed into lockdown once more. And not too surprising, Scotland fullback Stephen O'Donnell, that uh, the authorities are getting tough because they feel they have to because we're hanging by a thread. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it's going to be um, an, an aggressive stance, however. I would have thought, as we'd spoke about earlier, these instances all happened at the same time, really. They didn't know about the other when it happened. So surely this is for moving forward if any player steps out of line, which is understandable. But um, I think the you could find himself a wee bit hard done by if it's going to be... I don't know what the sanctions are going to be, but it doesn't sound very positive. Do you think there's a lot of people that have been out, a lot of footballers uh, and people in general that have gone out and broke the rules, but they've just not been found yeah, out? I, th- I think... It, that's, I would probably say, 100%. Um, I know from just... I'd, I'd went to the pub with two of my friends a couple of weeks ago and um, you could see that as much as we were in the guidelines, I think um, half of the pub wasn't. And so what happens is that pub, should should that be shut down? I, I, I think it becomes um, becomes difficult. But I, I say, again, I'm, I'm not a politician. and I just... I just want to be a footballer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get John Rankin involved in the conversation, formerly with uh, Manchester United as a youngster, Ross County, Everness Cali Thistle, Hibbs, Dundee United, Falkirk, Queen of the South, Clyde. Finally hung up the boots, John, and you're you're coaching at the moment with Hearts. What are you up to? <laughs> well, I'm just li- I'm just getting tired listening to all my old clubs. <laughs> <job. laughs> Um, and and co- coaching under 18s at Hearts is that the job at the moment? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I've been doing that for the last two and a half years now. So uh, I just felt it was the right time for me to hang up my boots and fully concentrate in the coaching. You uh, must you must have been reluctant though, were you? When you look at what see, what, what Chris see, Burke's still doing? Yeah, what well, a completely different level from what I was. Rob, but <laughs> you know, uh, listen, I, I thought about it for a lot long, a long while. I didn't I didn't want to do it to be honest with you, but then. When I looked at the German games and there was no crowd, and I thought, "Do I really want to do that?" This I'm thirty seven. Was that any different to the Clyde that. games? No, well, it might, it might a wee bit. The boy with the drum will be missing. But uh, apart from that, that was probably when I seen the German games, and then I thought, having to wait till October and stuff as well. And the main drive for me now is my coaching side of it, and uh, and that's my, my career from now on. So that was the main the main thought behind the the retirement. John, it's Ali here. You started your coaching badges, was it when you were 23 years old? What made you decide to do that back then? 
Ali, you've been doing your homework, haven't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> no, see, what I thought, see, I'm, I'm being completely honest, see, when I was a kid, I always thought, what if football doesn't work? And it was 20, I think it was 20, 23 years, I just went to Inverness, and that was that was me just to, well, obviously signed for a premiership club. And at that point, I thought, do you know what, I need to set myself up for after football, because I wasn't always going to be a premiership player, I knew that. So it was at the stage then, what do I want to do next? And football was all I'd known. And had some good teachers at that time, so I thought, do you know what, I'm as well to go and do it just now, rather than wait. And to be honest, coaching at that time probably made me think more about the game and made me a better player, because you start to question what, man- I don't mean in a bad way, but what managers are doing and why they're doing it, and then you eventually see the good and the bad of, of what you're doing. And is that what you'd advise younger players to do just now? Maybe not necessarily their coaching badges, but try and think of something else they might do after football? Yes, 100%. Let's see, see now, I think there's... More often than not, how, how often do you see players in Scotland actually going into their, their 30s? I know Chris Burke's bucking the trend now, but mm-hmm. not not many do. And, and the other thing, Scotty, the way Scottish football is just now, I think most players in the Premiership have actually got a set, second career, whether it be a PT or, or something else. But, I mean, I, I played with Stuart Armstrong years ago now, and I always liken it to him. He spent year, uh, time and time and time again in away trips with the, the law books out of the back and... It's it's completely changed. Like the old days, like when I first came into football, it was always playing cards, and, and that was the way that was seen. It was cool, but now I think it's more so people kind of looking after themselves out with out with football and trying to keep themselves involved in something in in real real life, basically. You were going against the trend, I guess, at that sort of age, John, to be thinking about coaching badges and going down that road at that stage. But it, it makes all sorts of sense. But then when you're a footballer and you're early twenties, you probably are thinking at that stage it's never going to end. I, in a way, Rob, yeah, but to be honest, I, you'll know obviously Barry Barry Wilson really, really well, and I had people like Barry in, in the dressing room, and Jim Lachlan, Gary McSquig, and Jim Hamilton, who were old, experienced pros, and who were in my ear consistently telling me, go, go and do it now, go and do it now, go and do it just now, and to be honest, you're right, at, at that stage I was probably thinking, I'm just going to concentrate and playing, but having experienced pros in the dressing room is, is massive for lots of young players, not just to learn the game, but also for, for life outside. I mean, you're away from the ground and, and uh, learning from players like that certainly helped me getting on the coaching pathway. Do you want to be a manager? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I'm not offering you a job. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know if I could cope being your manager, Rob, to be honest. <laughs> no, that's true. No, uh, I, I, honestly, I, I love the game. I've got so much passion for it. Coaching, I love being on the grass at this moment in time and coaching and learning off managers. That's, that's the main thing just now. But at some point in the future, whether it be five, uh, sorry, five years, ten years, whatever, I, I, I do want to test myself at management at some point, yeah. Dundee United and Hibs, two of your old teams, um, have started the season really well. Uh, Ross Kenty as well. We were just speaking to Michael Gardine, I don't know if you heard any of it, f- few, a few minutes ago. Um, I mean, they're really uh, off to a flyer, aren't they, with seven points out of nine? Ross County are flying, yeah. I mean, everyone's tipped to go down, and I, I know Stuart pretty well, and He's probably motivated them in that way, saying, listen, everyone's tipping you to go down. But I don't see Ross County being in that position. I honestly don't, Robbie. You know how difficult it is to go to Dingwall at the best of times. But going up there uh, for teams down the central belt and there's no atmosphere in the ground. The, the, the Ross County players will thrive in that. It makes it even more difficult for uh, for travelling teams. So I, I think they've started the season really, really well, picking up a lot of good points. Uh, last night you've seen their fighting spirit when they're, when they're 2-1 down to come down. But, uh, sorry, to come back, but... You look at Dundee United and Hibs that you mentioned before, Dundee United have started the season really well, they've come in and they've competed 
Uh, and then Hibs, they've, they've started the season fly. They really have. They've got, they've got a goal scorer now in Nesbitt and they look a real attacking threat. Could they be a long-term factor uh, up at the top end of the Premiership? I, I think it's hard to judge until you get to like, the, 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 once everybody's played everybody. Uh, and then maybe a few games after that, maybe about 15, 16 games, you can tell. But certainly at this moment in time, they're putting a run together. I think they've got Motherwell again on Saturday. And Motherwell's not in the best of form just now. So Jack Ross has, has started the season really, really well. He's done the same with Alloa when they were in uh, League One and then done the same with St Mirren. They get off to a flyer. I don't know what he does for pre-season with the teams, but they, they certainly hit the ground running. And again, this season you see it with, with Hibs. So again, it'll be interesting to see how they go on. Uh, I think they've got Rangers in a, a few weeks' time, so that'll be a massive game. Uh, but at this moment in time, they're certainly... I'm certainly heading up the Premier League. Everyone's talking about Kevin Nisbet. Um, Chris Doidge is a great player, having got off to a shaky start with Hibs. You know, he now guarantees goals as well. Martin Boyle at times is unplayable. So, so they've got a lot at the top end, but they had, but they, they they had a good, they they had lots of attacking options before. Maybe one big difference, and and what Jack Ross has been working towards is making them more solid as well, so that when they're scoring goals, they're not leaking them all the time. Yeah, well, you look at well, you get Paul Hanlon and Ryan Fortis. He's obviously he came back to a long-term injury. He's I'm, I'm out in at the back. You've got McGinn coming in at right back, who knows the league, really experienced, steady Eddie, young Josh Doyle at left back, good player, great athlete going forward as well. And then you bring in Gogic in the middle of the pitch from Hamilton, who probably people raise their eyebrows when he signed for Hibs. A great addition to, the, to their team, someone that can hold the, the middle of the park together and discipline to sit there and, and as you say, make sure that they don't concede goals. We've got Stephen O'Donnell with us, a Scotland fullback. Uh, you've been impressed, Stephen, with what you've seen of him so far? Yeah, no, certainly. Um, I've been impressed with um, Boyle. Boyle always seems to, the last couple of years, has been exceptional. And then the same with uh, Doig, who seems to hit the ground running. Again, maybe a benefit from uh, from Jack Ross's pre-seasons. Um, but the one that I think was maybe under the radar, along with Gogic, is uh, McGinn. Because McGinn's the player that goes to right back or to right centre half. And someone that can naturally do that is... It's priceless and he, he he does it time after time. Is that a smart signing, John, do you reckon? Paul McGinn? Yes, it is from Jack. I mean, we've seen it the other night there, Rob, but started a back four and Dodge spoke about it in his interview after the game, a, a small tactical change at half-time. It wasn't small. Jack completely changed the system and matched up with Dundee United with the 3-5-2. I actually allowed Hanlon and McGinn to get forward. And Stephen knows, being on that right, right side, if you're a right back and you're bombing on, but being a right centre-back and you're bombing on, you're actually dragging the striker with you. And it yep. took the, the a pair in Clark way back the pitch, and it all it, it turned the game. And United struggled to get to be able to cope with that, and and it brought Hibs right back into it. And then all of a sudden, you see Hibs have been an attacking threat. <laughs> the thing is, they bring in players like Scott Allen, and who can just thread passes through as well. So automatically, United come deeper. Did you um, see after the game? I'd heard Jack Ross saying he worked on the two shapes, and and he liked the fact that he could change. Pretty seamlessly from one to the other. Is that something you adopt in your coaching in the the Hearts under 18s? Do you want to have that flexibility within a game, or are you a bit more, I don't know, rigid? I don't know if that's the right word, but a bit more setting setting the style and how you want to play. No, I I don't think. See, I don't see in the way the game is now, Stephen. I don't think you can be setting your ways. I think you need to be adaptable. I think the kids coming through all need to be able to go in and. and uh, adapt to a different system, whether it be, as you say, Jack started the game with a 4-4-2 and worked on it, but also the 3-5-2 up his sleeve. I think players nowadays need to be really adaptable. So we kind of try and work on that uh, on a daily basis so they can all play different positions when they're asked to go and do it. But not only that, they actually understand the game. 
because I find a lot of kids that if they come in and they've got they've got really good pace, which is great because we all need that in the modern game. But they need something else apart from just pace to their game. So they need to be able to understand it. So nowadays a lot of it's done with video, and I, I find a lot of the kids are visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to actually show them and pick them in place of what you're looking to do. And Jack, obviously, he done my role previously. So he started with with the kids as well. And but see, to be honest, it's, it's great because you, you can make mistakes and a lot of them don't pick up on it and you go and go about your, your business daily. But you need to be able to be adaptable with the kids and the kids need to be able to adapt as well. But the, the main thing for me is see if you get that information in them really, really early. They can they can go and thrive on it. And we've seen, uh, you see Josh Doig the other night, they're playing for, for Hibs at left back in the first half and then he becomes a left wing back. So it's seamless. Can, it can really I, is for such a young kid. Can I ask you if you know what, what the background was? Because I've seen he was at Hearts, but I couldn't find anywhere if he was released or or was... Yes. Do you know what happened there? Yes, he, he just his pathway was blocked because you had someone like Aaron Hickey in, in, in front of Josh Doig. Josh Doig's ah. a great kid, great athlete, and you now see him playing week in, week out for, for Jack and the team. He's obviously come back pre-season and he's keeping Louis Stevenson out. Yeah. So it speaks volumes for, for Josh and, and what he's done. John, good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on the Go Radio Football Show. You can join us too by phoning 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Thanks to Chris for the travel and into the final section we go, if we can call it a section of the <laughs> Go Radio Football Show. Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, Scotland fullback, Stephen O'Donnell is with us as well. We've heard from Michael Gardine and John Rankin and Charlie Miller in the course of the last couple of hours. It's the top football chat. Uh, get involved on the day that Celtic completed the signing of Albion. A Yeti, Swiss international striker, four and a half million pounds he cost from West Ham United, having moved there for eight million from Basel, where he scored 30 goals in a couple of seasons. Let's talk to Callum in Clarkston. Hi, Callum. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Yourself? I'm not bad, I'm not bad. Are you pleased with that signing? Uh, yes. Uh, I think a striker was definitely something we needed. Uh, with, with Griffiths out and out as well, with what's going on with him. And hopefully he comes in and we go back to a three-five-two because uh, last season uh, after the December break came back with three-five-two. Edward Griffiths up front and I don't think we don't think we lost any points. I think it was all wins and all convincing wins as well. It's so good hopefully to have... he comes in yeah, and places it's... places Griffiths as well. Uh, you, and what do you think about Lee Griffiths? I mean, do you, do you think Lee Griffiths has got a future at Celtic? Will he come back into the the frame as well? Uh, it's hard to say, but. Hopefully, I because as I say, last season after the December, he was vital. He was scoring goals, and we needed somebody because Edward wasn't doing it too much after the December break. They two linked up well together, so hopefully he can come back in and they three can compete with each other. If I could offer you Edward to go and get maybe twenty five, thirty million for him and a fully fit Griffiths and a Yeti, would you take it? Nah, no way. Edward needs to stay that season. That season. Went ten in a row is a must, and if Edward goes, that's at risk. Um, so I think he needs to stay. Then if this season ten in a row get that, then he can go. That's him. But I think if he went now, a lot of fans would be would be gutted and would maybe even give him grief for going away just before ten in a row because everyone knows how big a player this is Celtic. Would there be a price though, Callum, at which every sensible person would have to say yes? This season, it's it's hard to say because. It's just it's too big a season to let any big player go 
because you don't know if you spend the money and somebody's going to come in and do the same thing that Edward's already doing right now. It's the same with Rangers and Morelos. Like you can sell them, but you don't know if somebody's going to come in and score the goals he's scored. It's a wish, isn't it? It's a hope that you do get exactly what you need in your team. Aye. Aye. And do you look across at Rangers and think that they've now, well, at the moment, Morelos, if he stays, they've they've got a third of Morelos, they've got Jermaine Defoe coming back, they've got the two new guys, Itten and Roof, uh, and you look at Celtic, Edouard, Griffiths on the way back, um, a Yeti signed, do you, is that it? Or do you, do you think Celtic will be looking for another striker? Uh, no, no, I think I think they've got enough strikers now, but uh, I think a centre-half's definitely a must. Did you, did you, th- did you, did you think that anyway, Callum, even before uh, Rugby Park? Aye, 100%. If, uh, if I or, or Julian gets injured, there's nobody to come in. There's El Hamid, but he's a, he's a natural right-back. He's not a centre-back. So there's no there's no clear-cut centre-half that's back up right now. And we need somebody to come in if somebody gets injured. And how frustrated are you at the moment with lack of matches, lack of Celtic games? Yeah, it's frustrating, obviously. Uh, I think Bolly's probably not got a future at Celtic anymore. After doing that, after watching Lennon in the press conference, yeah. he said no, nobody leave Glasgow, and then he's went and went to Spain for one night. So even if he does stay at Celtic, he's never going to have that same relationship with Lennon. So I don't think it'll work out. But you're confident that Celtic can play the catch-up job as they're going to have to do by the looks of it with the Rangers picking up points at the top. Aye, hundred percent, hundred percent. Happened last two seasons as well, no doubt. Confident Callum from Clarkston, thanks for joining us on the Go Radio Football Show. Uh, we are coming round to about 13 minutes to go uh, on the show. Let's talk to St. Johnson midfielder Liam Craig. Liam, who last night clocked up 400 games for the Perth team, is that right? Did, uh, did you count them up? I just about, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming in terms of getting sent off the second last game before lockdown um, and then obviously lockdown and uh, a stop start to the season as well so it's been a long time coming but I'd like you to get that milestone now and you know looking forward to a few more before I stop playing So so roll, well. on, roll on 500 now then is it? I don't know if I'll quite get to 500 but I'll give it a go um, No listen I think you know as a youngster you, you just want to play one game um, at, the, at the highest level in, in Scottish football so to have you know, made 400 appearances for a club during, which is probably the most successful period in the club's history uh, over the last 10, 12 years, is you know something I'm delighted to have been a part of, and you know it's just a small part of what's been you know a great squad season in, season out at the club since I've been there. Incredible consistency of performance, really, to have uh, had all those top six finishes uh, on a on a budget, I guess, which. Probably should have had you in the bottom half. I think, um, you know, but I think that was the work that Derek McInnes and Tony Docker had done, you know, bringing players to the club in the first division. Uh, I was one of the first through the door, but, you know, they wanted to change the mentality in terms of put a you know, winning mentality there. I think in competitions, the club were doing well. Narrowly missed out the season before we obviously Gretna winning the league that year, but they wanted to not just bring good players to the club, but I think create an atmosphere and a, a spirit within the team um, that could you know, go and get to the Premier League and, and stay there and it was definitely where the foundations were, were put in place for the the next 10-12 years if you like and each manager that, and each player that's came in has carried that on and bought into what St Johnson is and um, 
what the club wants to do. And I suppose not dif- not too difficult to pick out your highlight. No, there's listen, there's probably been a few. I think all uh, lockdown has given you time to reflect. But <laughs> um, one that probably was St Johnson's fans I remember was a goal at Dunfermline um, that put us top of the league um, back in 2008. Uh, and just the fact that it took us top of the league and we never moved to the, the top of the first division that year ended up getting promoted um, it's probably one that does stand out but loads of good memories you know the European trips and um, you know finishing third in the Premier League with St Johnson is uh, an incredible achievement um, for the club and again just delighted to have played a part in that Scottish Cup I was there then. <laughs> I missed out. Of course you were. Of course. I think I was so left St Johnston and they went. <laughs> that was, that was great. That was great timing, wasn't it, to leave and then <laughs> at that point. And then I left Hibs and they went on and won it. They won it for about 115 years. So I think I'm maybe the Scottish Cup Unfortunately, I've never won it. But um, again, it just goes to show that squad that um, St Johnston had built. You know that's why they were so successful and have been so successful over the last 12 years because they've built it on a core that, you know, first and foremost work hard for each other and for the club and, um, you know, every one of them was a top pro and wanted to, you know, maximise their ability and potential and they've done that and carried it on season after season and certainly the Corey players, you know, Dave Mackay, Fraser Wright, Stephen Anderson, Murray Davidson, Chris Miller, Stephen McLean, you know, all these players just, you know, knew what the club was about and um, it got the best out of them. Hi Liam, it's uh, Stephen here. Uh, firstly, congratulations on the, the appearances. But uh, my, my question would be, is did you have a manager over your spell, obviously excluding the current manager to not make it that awkward for him, but uh, that stood out for you that kind of maybe propelled your career, felt you kind of pushed you on to, to, I suppose, getting your move to Hibs, but was there a manager that stood out for you over that time? No, I think, you know, when uh, I've been lucky that all the managers that uh, have came in, you know, they've Derek obviously brought me here when I wasn't playing at Falkirk, and he just put the belief and confidence back in me and gave me the freedom to go and play. Him and Tony Doherty were brilliant in terms of their man management and, and getting the best out of players and giving players an opportunity to go and express themselves. And obviously, we we're doing well, and, and Dell moved to Bristol. Uh, and Steve Lomas came in, which no one really saw coming. But again, he just gave the players the freedom to, to go and play. And you. That and the attitude and the character was there, and it was just a case of going show how good you were. And um, you know, coming back from Hibs at the time, I didn't know where my career was going. And Tommy was obviously assistant to Steve Lomas. Um, he knew the type of person I was and gave me the opportunity. And when I look back, that was probably you know one of the biggest things in my whole career was how when I came back after obviously being relegated at Hibs, and you know, it wasn't a great time the two years there but to reinvent myself you like at 28 and prove that I could still play at this level and you know Tommy uh, gave me the opportunity and the confidence to go and do that and you know Calm Davidson someone I played with St Johnson I've been close with for the last seven or eight years so it's great to have him as a manager now and again the early signs are that um, you know he's going to carry on the success that these other managers have done just in the way he trains and um, the way he wants people to work and um, the confidence that he puts in people Brilliant. I'd heard from Tommy Wright last week. Um, I was on the radio with him, and he said that um, the manager, the, the new manager's training sessions when he was there, I think it was uh, Tommy Wright's assistant, was he? And yep. he says even the sessions then were very good. So he he's had no surprise that he's um, came back up as manager and was tipping him to be a huge success. Success. No, the, 
Aye, then, I mean, obviously he was a big part of Tommy Wright's coaching staff and just the intensity and the demands. Obviously, Callum played at the top level in international football, so, uh, you know, Stephen McLean's a natural winner as well. Um, and he just put a demand and intensity on every training session. And um, I think, you know, the squad of players that Tommy left, there's a lot of potential there, a lot of younger players. Um, and I think bringing Callum back along with Maka and Alec Clellan's only got to get the best out of them. They know the club, they know the league. Um, and Callum, although he's been down the road for the last couple of years coaching, he always you know, had an eye on Scottish football and in particular St Johnson. So he's not came in blindsided. He knows what's there and where the potential is. He knows the league and the players. And um, no, as we say, I think you know, it was the right choice and wanted to bring the club forward again. Liam, it's Ali here. Um, just a, a thought on the, the PFA Scotland. Obviously, you're the chairman. Um, there's lots been happening over lockdown and you don't get quite as much of support as you get down south. What is it that we could kind of maybe do up here to, to help the PFA? Because it obviously seems to be something that's really helped a lot of players, especially with lots of them signing up for the Edinburgh Napier University online course recently. No, I think, you know, I think what PFA done, obviously no one could have envisaged what's happened over the last four or five months, but, you know, as chairman, I've took great pride in um, how we've handled the situation, how we've looked after the players. Um, because you know some clubs have been great, other clubs you know maybe not so good, but just maybe because they never had the answers. You know this is changing all the time. Um, but I think PFA Scotland's been consistent and you know looking out for the players and anything that's um, you know came up or arose from each situation, whether it's an individual player or a club situation. PFA have been there to support them also in terms of well-being and mental health and education. Updates as well, and try to put players' minds at rest at what is happening and, and what PFA Scotland can offer. So, um, you know, and it's going to be the same for the next couple of months. Obviously, there's been issues already, and you know, I think you know, moving forward with the Championship, League One, and League Two coming back in October, um, you know, there is going to be times when PFA Scotland are going to have to be there for the players still, and um, again, address any issues that do come up. Just a quick word with you before you go, Liam, on Rangers. A tough night for Saints last night. How impressed were you with Rangers? No, it was it was a tough night in, in terms of well, two 0 doing at half time, but I mean even at half time the manager saying, you know, I'm annoyed because we've actually been doing what we asked. We limited Rangers to two shots on target and both of them went in. A, a great free kick from Barisic and then, you know, a great move for Rangers and you know, that's the difference. You look at Barisic and Kent, and over £10 million Rangers have spent on their two players, yeah. and you know, that's why, because they've got that quality. And um, the second half, losing the early goal for a set piece was disappointing, um, and the game was sort of done then. Uh, but again, it showed the young boys coming on last night, showed that there is a lot of potential, and they will learn through that experience. But again, when you look over to the touchline after an hour, and you know, Rangers are bringing on two new strikers that they've just paid millions for, and yeah. along with Scotty Arfield, and uh, Barker as well it doesn't get any easier no um, indeed not so it, it was uh, it was difficult but you know we'll take the positives from the discipline and the safe and the chances that we did create at times against a really good Rangers team that um, you've got to admit that they're flying just now and yeah. uh, got top top quality throughout the squad yeah you've got to grab the positives Liam thanks very much indeed for joining us on the Go Radio Football Show St Johnston midfielder chairman of PFA Scotland uh, Liam Craig we are back tomorrow night between 5 and 7 Paul Cooney is back with us Cy Ferry is back with uh, myself and Ali as well that's it for Thursday's Go Radio Football Show